Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. As a kid, I grew up going to a church called Stony Creek Alliance. And every Christmas, we put together a children's musical. Now, it started with a guy named Steve Fenton, who some of you might know uh, goes to our sponsor church. It actually ended up starting to get uh, children's musical going out at Gateway. Um, but then it transitioned to my mom who led it. And it was a big production. Um, so actually, Rebecca and I know each other from our Stony Creek Alliance days. And uh, it's awesome to have you out and to have you part of this memory because Christmas didn't start until this production was over. Uh, so every fall, we would get to leave the service and go down and we'd meet in the choir room or whatever it was called and we would start rehearsing all of our songs. Then we would start auditioning for different roles and, and to be part of the skits and play. And it was so big that the local news station, Cable 14, they would come in with their cameras and they would actually televise our Christmas musical on TV. Now, I didn't realize that Cable 14 wasn't like a main channel, but still, as a kid, this, like, I was a rock star up there. But the best part for me was when it was over. And not just because then it was finally over, but it's because that moment signaled that Christmas was coming that it was right around the corner. The next time I would see all of my friends would be at our Christmas Eve service. So we would get together on the Sunday night, we would finally perform the musical to the masses, what felt like thousands. And then our last song, we would just belt out and then the pastor would come up on stage to give a Christmas message and we would all file off into the fireside room, which actually had a legit fireplace and it would be decked to the halls and we'd have the big TV rolled in on the cart and we'd get to watch a Christmas movie while the pastor kept speaking and speaking and we had a party. But then after that, our parents would pick us up and we would drive home. And I would put my head against the window and look at all the stars and just think, Christmas is coming. And my heart would become so full of excitement and anticipation because that was the last thing I had to do as a kid before Christmas. And probably with my mom even running it, the stress levels came down in our house and we could just enjoy the Christmas season. So tonight we lit the candle of anticipation and joy, because I, I believe anticipation and joy go hand in hand. They go together. Because as I began putting this together, and I knew that we were lighting the, the candle of anticipation, I thought, what's the difference between expectation and anticipation? So I went to my trusty friend, Google, and I typed it in, because I'm like, are these two words synonymous? And funnily enough, some of the definitions I came across weren't actually too helpful in explaining them either. So for example, the first definition I came up for expectation is the act or the state of expecting. I'm like, what? How do you use the word in defining the word? Uh, the next word I typed in anticipation and it was the action of anticipating something. But then it went on to say expectation or prediction. So 
they weren't too helpful to say the least, so let me try and flesh it out a little more. Expectation, I believe, is, is the belief that something will likely happen. You're, you're expecting something to happen, but anticipation is pregnant with joy and excitement that what we've been expecting is about to happen. Anticipation comes from past experiences. Take a child's anticipation of Christmas. When they're really little, they may reflect our joy and excitement about what's to come, but as they get older, that's when they really begin to anticipate what's coming because it's based on what they experienced before. My kids are getting to such fun ages, seven and five. So they've had a few Christmases under their belt. So now they're so excited. They're anticipating Christmas Day because they know what it was like previously. Based on their past experiences, they look forward to what's to come again. So tonight, as we continue to journey into Advent, I want to invite you into a week of anticipation. We began our Advent series with expectation, keeping hope alive by recognizing that there is a light source behind whatever shadows we're facing, and his name is Jesus. And then last week, we looked at preparation and remembering our first love, that we love because he first loved us. And tonight, I invite you to join me back in Luke's gospel, chapter one, as we lean into this week of anticipation. So we're going to be picking up where we left off last week in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39 through to 56. And for those of you who want to follow along, it will be on the screen behind me or on the computer screen if you're tuning in online. And we're going to be reading from the Common English Bible translation. So Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39, Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. May God bless the reading of his word. 
So Mary's song that we just read is often called the Magnificat because that's the first word in Latin. And it's one of the most famous songs in Christianity. It's been whispered in monasteries, chanted in cathedrals, recited in small remote churches by evening candlelight, and set to music with trumpets and kettlebells by Johann Sebastian Bach. What's astounding about this passage is that we know her future. We know what's ahead for Mary. But from her perspective, she's just found out that she's going to be carrying, delivering, and raising the Son of God. And she simply trusts in God's past faithfulness for her present joy and her future hope. And what I find so fascinating is that almost every word she speaks is a biblical quotation. She's taking it from scripture. She understands and knows it. Much of it, in fact, echoes Hannah's prayer that's recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 2, which was a song that celebrated the birth of Samuel and all that God was going to do through him. So like so many Jews of her time, Mary knew the scriptures. She soaked herself in the Psalms and the prophetic writings that spoke of mercy, hope, fulfillment, reversal, revolution, victory over evil, and of God coming to the rescue. She was expectant. She was prepared. And now she allows herself to anticipate that this ancient dream of Israel was finally coming to fulfillment. I believe what Mary shows us is that we can welcome joy and anticipate what's to come by remembering God's past faithfulness. Mary starts by pouring out her heart. She says, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. And then she grounds it in God's past faithfulness. He has looked with favor. He shows mercy to everyone. He has shown strength. He has pulled the powerful down. He has fulfilled the hungry. He has come to the aid, just as he promised to our ancestors. Throughout Advent, when we remember what we've been expecting and preparing for, we can welcome joy into our lives, even if we don't quite feel ready. Mary shows us that there is joy simply by entrusting ourselves to the God who loves us, who cares for us, and who wants us to rest in the work of Jesus Christ. Friends, God has continually proven himself faithful in the past. He is with us in the present, and he promises to come again in the future. So as we enter this third week of Advent, we're entering the second half of the season, believe it or not already. We're getting closer to Christmas Day. Now, does this spark joyful anticipation, or does it overwhelm you with that inward panic as you think of everything you still have to get done? And it's okay to be somewhere on the spectrum. But remember, Advent is a gift. It's meant to be useful and enjoyable. Did you know that God delights in us. 
Psalm 147.11 tells us, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And then Psalm 149.4 says, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. God delights in our delight. He delights in us as we delight in anticipation of the gift of his son this Christmas. Yes, you can still focus on your to-do list, but make time this week to sit and revel in the true joy that comes with this season of waiting upon God. Take joy in knowing that even if the Advent season isn't always full of cheer and glad anticipation, Jesus knows you're longing for joy in the midst of it. There are seasons when we have enough, and there are seasons when we have to do without. There are seasons and times when the snow is gently falling outside our windows and a roast is in the oven. And then there are days when it's simply wet and cold and the muddy gray slush soaks through our shoes and our socks and all we have to eat is whatever we can find in the pantry. Of course, we want to feel happy during the holidays. That's part of the tension, too, is as we're going through grief, is that we long for this joy, but sometimes it's so hard to actually feel it. We long for it to be a Merry Christmas, but I know that's not always the case for many. Perhaps you've experienced significant loss this year, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of your health, Whatever the reason, I want you to know it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to hold space for whatever it is you're feeling and carrying. And it's okay to hold that space with others. Friends, Jesus is with you. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. The incarnate Christ coming to the world. C.S. Lewis wrote that we can create situations in which we are happy, but we cannot create joy. He admits in another writing that I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. What he discovered is that joy is wholly dependent on our inward posture and based upon what God has done. And it's based upon remembering God's never-changing love for us, his goodness and his faithfulness. You see, feeling joy isn't required for acknowledging that there is real and genuine joy found in the incarnate Christ. Life can be difficult at the moment. It might not be happy. It might not be merry. But it can be joy-filled when we remember by faith that God is Emmanuel, that he is with us and he is for us. The incarnate Christ is here with you as you anticipate the celebration of his birth. As author Sarah Bessie puts it, Advent is the church's way of observing and remembering of marking the truth, we believe that God came to be with us once and God is still with us and God is coming again to set all things 
right. Friends, Advent holds the truth of what is right now up to the truth of what was and what will be and then responds like the psalmist who says, I'll never quit telling the story of your love, how you built the cosmos and guaranteed everything in it. Your love has always been our life's foundation. Your fidelity has been the roof over our world. But we would be remiss if in this week of Advent, when we remember joy, if we didn't stop to remember the beauty surrounding us, the snow falling in the moonlit sky as you're out for an evening walk, the paper snowflakes taped haphazardly around your house and on your window, maybe even the scraps along your baseboards, or perhaps the joy of choosing to slow down, to buy less, to become present to the presence of those around you. Regardless of whatever might be filled on the squares of your calendar this week, or whatever reminders you've set on your phone, I want to encourage you to take time to intentionally pause and notice beauty. It could be the charm of a child's disjointed retelling of a story, but with a twinkle in their eye. The crunch of the leaves or snow underneath your feet on your morning walk. The smell of freshly brewed coffee in the morning. Or the pastel colors of the evening sunset. As you take time to pause and notice the beauty that's around you, remember the fullness of God's love for you. How the world's beauty is a gift for you to steward and be captivated by. Friends, we can lean into our anticipation of Christmas Day and the celebration of the incarnate Christ based on God's past faithfulness. We can savor these days of Advent while the candlelight dances with joy in the hope of God's coming. You see, underneath it all is a celebration of God. God has taken the initiative. God the Lord, the Savior, the Powerful One, the Holy One, the Merciful One, the Faithful One. God is the ultimate reason that we celebrate. So do you want joy this Christmas season? Seek Jesus. Do you want to be filled with joy no matter what life brings? Walk with Jesus daily. Do you want the assurance of salvation and eternal life? Well, then believe in Jesus, that he's the son of God. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived and walked this earth and ultimately was killed by those who opposed him only to conquer death by coming back to life and resurrecting on the third day and inviting us into eternal life with him. Oh, church, Jesus is true joy. Jesus tells his disciples in John 15, 11, I've said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and that your joy will be complete. And going back to Luke chapter 1, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The baby, later to be John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb, leaped for joy in the presence of Mary, who is pregnant with Jesus. And as the shepherds were told by the angel of the Lord, I bring you good news of great 
joy that is for all people. True joy is only found in Jesus. Joy, deep joy. Anything else is a poor substitute. If you're just waiting for the time off work, if you're just waiting for presents under the tree, you'll be discouraged by the next Monday when you're back at the office and the presents have broken or your kids have gotten a hold of them and you don't know where they are. Friends, anything else will leave you wanting more. But Jesus says, I'm enough. I am who brings you life and life to the full. Jesus' presence in our lives is always a reason for joy. God came to be with us once. God is still with us and God is coming again to set all things right. So my prayer for us tonight is that we respond like Mary who rejoiced and said, with all of my heart, I glorify the Lord. So let's take a moment of silence to just reflect on what the Lord wants to say to you this evening. I have a few reflection questions for you to think about and pray about, and then we'll conclude our time with communion. But first, what brings you joy right now? Where have you noticed God's beauty? And where has God proven faithful in the past? And how can that encourage you today? So let's just take a moment of silence and then I'll conclude our time together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, just before his crucifixion, he was with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way after dinner, he took the cup saying, this cup represents a new covenant that's made in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we participate in communion together, we are remembering what God has done in the past, his faithfulness. We are remembering that he is present with us now and we're looking forward to the hope that we have when he comes again. So let me pray, and then we're going to have another worship song go on, on the screen. And I invite you to participate in communion uh, when, you, when you're ready and when you're able. But Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to, get, to gather together and worship your name, to take time out of our busy schedules to come together and encourage one another as we're all on this journey of living life with you and seeking to become more and more like you. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son this Christmas season, but also for the gift that he gave us by going to the cross for us to defeat death so that we could have life and life to the full, now and forevermore. God, I pray that you continue to meet with us this evening and fill us with joy as we anticipate your arrival on Christmas Day. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.